2: Well, the sun is setting on this Wednesday, December the 7th of 2022, here in downtown South Bend, Indiana. My name is Darren Pritchett. Hope you're having a terrific day. We thank you for stopping by, Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat, live on 960 a.m. WSBT, a live stream available at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT Radio app. Also, the program has a video feed available on the Twitch app. Just search Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, tonight's program is only 90 minutes because Notre Dame basketball is on the air starting at 6.30. Pre-game coverage, Mike Bray's Fighting Irish, a record of 6-2 and will we'll take on the 4-4 four and four Boston University Terriers at Purcell Pavilion. Opening tip is set for 7 o'clock. All the action from the seat of Tony Simeone courtside at Purcell Pavilion. You'll hear his comments about tonight's game right here on WSBT Radio. We'll talk a little Irish basketball later on in the program as well. Some Big Ten hoops talk, what we've learned early on in the regular season for Big Ten conference teams. We're starting to get into now Big Ten conference play. We'll talk about some of the early storylines in the conference and how Jim Boeheim might be a little wrong in some of the comments he made about the Big Ten recently. So that's coming up later on in the program. Coming up this hour of the program The Michael Mayer era has ended here in South Bend. Details in his declaration to the NFL, moments away. We've got our Twitter question of the day to get to coming up at the bottom of the hour. We will recap my sports wagering picks and also talk about the Major League Baseball hot stove in which the Chicago Cubs lost Wilson Contreras to the St. Louis Cardinals today via free agency. And at the back end of this hour, the My Five question of the day, the five keys, or maybe more so, five things that I'm looking forward to in tonight's Notre Dame basketball game against the BU Terriers. So sit back and relax. Away we go. Budweiser's weekday sports beat from Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
0: The first, pitch, the first pitch of the first pitch the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Of- Into the windup up in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed.
2: Notre Dame football picked up a verbal commitment today. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But first, the big news of the day is news that is not surprising, but here we are with the announcement that one of the best offensive players that Notre Dame has had in quite some time is off to the NFL. Junior tight end Michael Mayer announced today on social media that he is leaving the University of Notre Dame after three years to go to the NFL draft, and also, he will not participate in the upcoming Gator Bowl game for the Irish against the South Carolina Gamecocks. Michael Mayer talked to ESPN's Pete Thamel today, and in a story released at ESPN.com, Mayer was quoted as saying, I really enjoyed my experience at Notre Dame. The first reason I picked Notre Dame was the NFL. It was on my mind a very, very long time ago. I saw a lot of good tight ends in the NFL from Notre Dame. That was one of the main reasons I went there. I wanted to come in and win games and be a first round draft pick at tight end. I set my sights on it, and that's what I've been working toward the last three years. Mission accomplished. He rewrote the Notre Dame record books at the tight end position. In just 36 games, he set the Notre Dame tight end career records for catches, 180, which by the way, take away the tight end label, receptions in a career in Notre Dame history. He's third behind Michael Floyd and TJ Jones. With those 180 catches, Michael had 2,009 receiving yards and 18 touchdowns. That is rewriting the Notre Dame record books at the tight end position. And as you know, as a Notre Dame football fan, the Irish have been blessed with some amazing tight ends the last couple of decades. Two of my favorites, Tyler Eifert and Kyle Rudolph. And this guy goes right at the top of the list, in Michael Mayer. He was everything we could have imagined coming out of high school. There was a lot of buzz about Mayer coming to Notre Dame at tight end, keeping that tight end U label alive here in South Bend. Well, he took it to another level, in my opinion. Was ripped off last year, not a finalist for the Mayer Award or the Mayer Award. It should be the Mayer Award, the Mackey Award. But he is a finalist this year and it's either going to be Bowers from Georgia or Mayer from Notre Dame winning that particular award. But this was a season for Michael Mayer that was individually outstanding on a Notre Dame football team that did not have the most consistent or high-level passing attack throughout this year. But yet at the end of the day, Michael ended up with 67 catches for 809 yards and nine touchdowns. I think he's gotten a lot better as an inline blocker over his three years here in South Bend, making him a complete tight end going to the National Football League. You look at the NFL, sometimes it takes tight ends a little time to adjust. I don't think that's going to be the case with Michael Mayer. I think this is a guy that will impact an offense very quickly in his rookie season in the National Football League. I think we watch him play, you see the terrific hands, but the hands become valuable after he has done a great job of using his body to get separation from defenders. This is a guy that doesn't have that elite speed at the tight end position, but he's got everything else. He might not have that elite speed, but his ability to get that separation from the defender is massive going to the NFL when the windows are so much smaller for quarterbacks to throw the football. And you can list the number of drops on one hand in his career here in South Bend. He is a sure-handed tight end. So with the separation he can get from a defender using his hands and his body, the great hands, the catching radius, His improved blocking, you can put him as an inline blocker at tight end. You can line him up as a wide receiver. you got a lot of different things you can do with him. It's kind of interesting. I was never a fan of this, but he got that baby Gronk nickname very quickly because he wore 87 like the former NFL great Rob Gronkowski. One of the top tight ends in NFL history. And also he had the size that kind of reminded you of Gronk. But it was interesting reading the ESPN.com story today with Pete Thamel. Michael actually mentioned he watches more Travis Kelsey film than Rob Gronkowski, despite that baby Gronk label. And you think about Travis Kelsey. The Kansas City Chiefs dynamic offense it's an offense that has used the tight end so well the last few years and when you got a guy like Kelsey you use him and they have a guy they put as an inline blocker runs routes from that spot they set him up to the outside great hands physical I'm not saying Michael Mayer is going to be Travis Kelsey because I think we're getting to the stage that Kelsey is reaching the status of one of the greatest pass-catching tight ends in NFL history. And there's a good number of guys you can put at the top. Go back to the 80s, Kellen Winslow. In the 90s, Shannon Sharp. you got Ozzie Newsome. You can go on and on, but Kelsey's right there with the best of the best, and I think the skill set of Mayer could fall close to his stratosphere, his possibilities. I'm not saying he's going to be Travis Kelsey, but he can be that type of guy. You think about the Atlanta Falcons two years ago; they went and got Florida's tight end Kyle Pitts, but Pitts is the guy. That plays on the outside. He's not Michael Mayer who can line up right next to the tackle and help your running game and also run routes from there. Pitts is more of an outside guy. Mayer is a more complete tight end and let's keep in mind Pitts went in the top 10 to the Falcons two years ago. Now could Mayer be a top 10 pick? It's all going to come down to the needs of the teams in the top 10. I think it's pretty easy to see that three quarterbacks are going to go in the top 10 this year. And that's always going to be the case. You're going to have those pass rushers that are going to go in the top 10. Those left tackles that lock down the backside of your quarterback for the next decade. Those are the guys that go in the top 10. Now, Pitts went, I think it was number four to Atlanta. Michael could be a top 10 pick, but he's going to be a first round pick. He is such a dynamic player at the tight end position. He's going to go in the first round. Maybe it's 5th, maybe it's 25th, but he's going to go in the first round. There's no question about that. And it's going to be well deserved. So an interesting stat today, or maybe not a stat, it's more of an opinion. Across the board, he's the top tight end in this draft. But also ESPN draft analyst Matt Miller said that Michael Mayer of Notre Dame and Texas running back Bijan Robinson project as the two safest picks in this draft as their skills, so obviously translate up to the NFL. They both have great character and high football IQ. We only watch Bajan Robinson from afar, and you can see how he's going to excel in the NFL at running back. We'll take his word on the rest of the skill set that makes him a safe pick. But, I mean, gosh, Michael Mayer has got to be the safest of all safe picks. I mean, what about his game as a fraud that we see there in South Bend? There's nothing. There's nothing to be concerned about. I've said this a couple of times. He's a guy that you kind of feel like as a fan or a media member you could sit down, talk football with, eat some chicken wings, have a beverage, and have a great conversation. Just seems like the type of guy that is extremely likable. And as we found out this year, he can be a great leader. It's well documented. This is a guy, after Notre Dame lost to Marshall to go 0-2 or to Stanford 3-3. He could have mailed it in. I'm going to get ready for the NFL draft. See you later. No. He stuck his nose in. Worked harder than everybody. And when your best team is your hardest worker, I don't think a coaching staff can ask for anything more than that. This team roared back. Won five straight, then lost to USC in a game in which he had eight catches and a couple of touchdowns. Not a bad way to wrap up your Notre Dame career. As far as not playing in the Gator Bowl, you can't blame him. Loves his teammates, loves this school, highly competitive, but this is a game that means nothing in the career of Mayor at Notre Dame and really for this Notre Dame football team this year. You want to win, you play the game, you put the pads on, you want to win, but It's not going to change anything dramatically about this season. It's not a playoff game. So I'm glad Michael's not playing. Not worth the injury risk. If he had a crystal ball and knew he was not going to get hurt, you know he'd be in there playing, man. Put on that Notre Dame helmet one more time with his guys. You know he would love that, but that's just not reality. So, Michael, thank you, man. Great covering you from a media standpoint. I know you, the fans, absolutely enjoyed watching this guy play the last three years. He was special. Some guys are a little different. Brady Quinn, Manti Teo, Jalen Smith. Michael Mayer goes into that elite company. Did everything you could have asked here in South Bend. And now we'll watch Michael Mayer get ready for the NFL draft. We'll start watching the mock drafts and see where some of the possibilities are for Michael Mayer in the National Football League. All right, that wraps up the Michael Mayer portion of this opening segment. One final thing I want to get to the Irish picked up a commitment today from Brandon Hillman, a four star athlete who picked the Irish over USC, North Carolina, Virginia Tech. And Kentucky what's interesting about Hillman number one we're not quite sure where he's gonna play here in South Bend it sounds like he's gonna start out at the position he played in high school quarterback but there is the possibility he could play somewhere else on offense maybe at wide receiver He could flip over to the defensive side of the football. Some people see him as a guy that can make a difference at safety. So he's intriguing from the standpoint, there's a lot of options for Notre Dame with this four-star athlete, Brandon Hillman. What I'm also intrigued by with Hillman, so many of the guys that Notre Dame take obviously were star players in high school. And had great reputations, got all these stars, all these awards. You look at a lot of the guys that will sign on December 21st, they're going to have storied high school careers with all these accolades. Hillman's a little different. Heading into his senior season this fall, Hillman had one scholarship offer. And it was from an FCS school. His only offer going into this year was Norfolk State. But then apparently, more video became available of Hillman. More of his athleticism was on display. And then more teams got interested. And one of the first teams was Marcus Freeman's Fighting Irish. This is the type of story I like. Late in a recruiting cycle, you pick up a talented guy that probably didn't have all the bells and whistles as some of the other guys. But this coaching staff grinded, found him, got on him, and got him. And now what can they make of him? It'll be interesting to see where he ends up playing here in South Bend, but it looks like he might start at quarterback and then who knows from there. That's just a small sample on the story of Brandon Hillman. We'll get more from... Mike Singer, the Notre Dame football recruiting insider at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, who will join me after the break on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
0: Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBT WSBTradio.com, the WSBT radio app, and on Twitch as Darren Pritchett talks Notre Dame football recruiting with Blue and Gold Illustrated insider Mike Singer.
2: It is great to have Mike back on the program, a second consecutive tonight, a second consecutive night I should say, but tonight he jumps on board because earlier today the Fighting Irish picked up another commitment for the class of 2023. It's number 27, and it is Brandon Hillman. He is listed as a four-star athlete by on3.com, which of course is tied into Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Hillman is from Portsmouth, Virginia, and Mike's going to join us to talk about this very interesting prospect. Mike, good to be with you once again tonight. Greatly appreciate your time. I know we've talked about Hillman. In the past, but I've always been intrigued by this story because this is a young man that I think you would say when you turn on the tape, you notice his athleticism, his playmaking ability, but was really getting very little attention as he went into his senior season with just one offer, and that was from Norfolk. State what do you think changed? What allowed him to get more noticed by some bigger schools, most notably, most notably, excuse me, the Fighting Irish?
1: Yeah, Darren, you, it's kind of crazy in this age of social media, and I mean, Huddle has been the greatest thing to happen for recruits getting discovered because no more just mailing. Like when I was a senior, Darren, I graduated high school in 2012. I mean, that's. That's what 11 classes ago. For me, I'm, that's when Huddle really just started. but I was still emailing you know emailing the links and um, you know, sending out DVDs. That, I mean that's really what I was doing because Huddle just wasn't really known that much. so I mean I had to put my film on DVD and send it out to coaches and I didn't get too much response back, but that's a different story for a different day, Darren. but yeah, it is kind of crazy when you pop on his film, it's like how? did he not get discovered? And I think a big part of it is he's playing quarterback, and I don't think it's talent evaluators, you know, we're wanting him as a quarterback, but I don't, I bet still it doesn't make sense because he's running the ball so well um, just as a junior, you know, had over 3,000 all-purpose yards and you know, 20, plus 20, over 20 touchdowns. I, so, Darren, I don't have the answer there, but I do know – that during his senior season he started to play some safety. So now you have to tell of him on both sides of the ball. So there's a clear athletic projection for him at the next level that he can just play somewhere. Maybe it's quarterback. That's where he's at least going to try out at first at Notre Dame. He's going to try to play quarterback. But with Kenny Minchie coming in and C.J. Carr in 2024, I personally don't think that um, quarterback is in his future. But, hey, maybe maybe the wildcat, or I just, I like him as an offensive weapon, and then at safety, he's a hard-hitting player as well, so there's just a lot to like with his film, his production, and then his measurables, Baron, 6'1", 190 pounds, and that was in the off season, so he might be closer to 200 pounds now, um, good verified times, um, uh, 6'5", wingspan, so he's just a, on paper and on film a really good prospect, and good for Notre Dame to be able to catch them this late in the process.
2: Mike, reading your article today and some of the work being done by you and On3.com about Brandon Hillman, I think the one thing that stood out, and with everything you said right there is extremely intriguing with all the possibilities, I think at the very least, this is a guy that could possibly help you. I'm not saying from day one, but at some point on special teams in particular, I think it was maybe you that mentioned that he looked like a guy that was very intriguing as a kickoff return man, possibly down the line for this football team.
1: Yeah, that, I mean that's what you know. Some analysts I've talked to have mentioned, oh, put him in special needs. But how many players do we talk about? Oh, he's a good returner, and then you know, I mean, it's like seven or eight guys each cycle that Notre Dame gets, and we say that, and then Notre Dame's still not really, you know, getting a ton. In that department, I just think that return game in general is, is going away in football. That's just one man's opinion, but uh, it, it does still speak to just his overall profile, that he can pretty much do anything you ask of him. Yeah. Um, I mean, seriously, with his build, I wouldn't rule him out being a rover. I, I, I don't think hmm. he's a corner, but I think he could be a strong safety or a rover. Um, if, if you play him on defense. But offensively, running back, slot, it, I mean, he's just kind of one of those weapons, Darren.
2: Okay. I just remember Chase Claypool came in, made an impact on special teams, and every position coach wanted him the following well, year. Yeah. But I'm not comparing the okay. two, but
1: yes. No, Darren, that's that's a great point in special teams in terms of yeah, maybe not returning. I thought you were talking about just as a returner, but in terms of him being – you know, uh, an up man or, you know, going down and tackling on punt team, I think he could play day one. Absolutely. In in that department. That's a great point there.
2: Okay. Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com is my guest. Take me to this story from a Notre Dame perspective. Doesn't it say something about the coaching staff or the entire recruiting staff to late in the process, to be able to define a player that can help you go through the process and build that relationship late in the year and ultimately get this guy in the recruiting class.
1: Yeah, it was a fantastic job by Notre Dame. Um, like you mentioned at the top of the show, Darren, Norfolk State offered him just this past summer, and that was it. It looked like he was destined to play. FCS ball and then yeah that that safety tape comes out early senior season film and a bunch of schools offered him I think it was like September 27th or something like that and then uh, Notre Dame offered the next day so he picked up around 10 offers in just the span of a couple days and from what I'm told Notre Dame recruited him the hardest not only recruited him very hard but his mom and his high school head coach were um, very important in this recruiting process so yeah, kudos to just the entire staff. And you know, Darren, if Notre Dame's recruiting a quarterback, who is the lead recruiter there? Tommy Reese, right? right. Running back. It's the it's the running backs coach. Well, what about Hillman, who doesn't have a position? <laughs> so when I, I remember interviewing him after his official visit, and he was on campus for the Stanford game, um, and I thought, I was like, hey, who, who'd you spend the most time with? Because you know you're not really being recruited to a specific position. He said well, everybody. Hmm. So I, I would give the nod to Chad Bowden, the director of recruiting at Notre Dame is the kind of the lead recruiter here, but it was very much just an entire team effort between, I mean, he had meetings with Al Golden. He sat, he sat down with Tommy Reese. He talked to pretty much everyone on the staff because again, he, he could play anywhere. Hmm. Maybe not offensive line though, there, maybe he's not talking to Harry Easton, but other than that, <laughs> he could play anything. Yeah.
2: Well, Mike, I know we spend a little time each week talking about Notre Dame football recruiting, and I always got the feeling, listening to you talk about this class, that they might end up somewhere between 26 and 28 recruits. They're at 27 right now, so they're pretty much right on pace with the way that I kind of felt like you've analyzed how this could turn out. You never say never, but I know Notre Dame's in great shape right now, but there are still what? 14 more days until National Signing Day, so you can never count out maybe one more being added.
1: Yeah, I, I, you're definitely on the right track there, Darren. I mean, in following what they've been doing in terms of like the high school prospects who they've offered, and you know about right we, that we talk about each week on our YouTube show, and you know, and doing these interviews with you, Darren. Everything kind of seems settled. It's like they landed everyone we've expected in the land. And like the other guys that they were recruiting are kind of trending elsewhere. So it's like, who's left. I think it's these 27. And, uh, uh, and then maybe there's a surprise, but if someone were to decommit from Notre Dame, then you would expect them to fill that spot. But I mean, they pretty much they've met all their needs. And I, we talked about this yesterday, Darren, all the players who've decommitted from Notre Dame, they fill those spots except for one. Mm-hmm. Viper, right? Key yeah. and Keeley decommits, so that's the one I'm kind of keeping an eye on. Do they go get a viper if the position or you know just the kind of the situation is right? Um, but otherwise, I think it's a it's an option for the transfer portal regardless. Um, so uh, yeah, Darren, it's a it's a darn good class for Notre Dame. I felt really good about it for the entire year, but with that caveat of. What about quarterback? And mm-hmm. then they go get that elite 11 All-American and Kenny Minchy put them from Pittsburgh. So, top to bottom, it's a fantastic class. And you look at the skill positions on offense and defense, Darren, I mean, you've got three four-star receivers committed. You've got three four-star running backs committed. And then uh, in the secondary, um, you've got four four-stars and one five-star. It is an outstanding Class and pretty much exactly. I mean, maybe not exactly what you'd expect for Marcus Freeman in his first year, because I think this is maybe even better than expected. Like seriously, sure. it's been it's an outstanding class. But like you said, Darren, two weeks until National Signing Day, you got to get these guys signed. And um other schools are not letting up on Notre Dame's class, which is a good sign. You know, if you sign a class and no one else wants your players, that's probably not a good sign. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, still, you got to hold on to these guys.
2: For Irish fans out there that want to read your work about Brandon Hillman or other Notre Dame football recruiting nuggets, what is the best way for them to get a hold of that information?
1: Yeah, pull out your phone, go to your iPad, laptop, type in blueandgold.com, and right at the top of the page, it'll say, a, you know, $10. Um, signed you up um, and, and that's the $10 through the start of the next football season. So um, really a, a fantastic deal that, you know, you can jump on board and and read all of our content, uh, get involved on our Blue emoji message board and ask me questions. People post threads all the time asking me about some things and sometimes I can't answer all of them, but hmm. definitely do my best. And uh, thousands of Notre Dame fans talk to the other staff members. Mike Goolsby was posting on the board today comparing Tyler Buckner and Potential transfer quarterback, Hudson Card. Seriously, it's, it's a fantastic Ooh. community of Notre Dame fans and staff um, at Blue and Gold. So, yeah, definitely would recommend Notre Dame fans heading to the website and checking it out. All
2: right, Blueandgold.com and also on YouTube. Go to the Blue and Gold YouTube channel where Mike and I have our Tuesday conversations videotaped. And he stunned me earlier today. 38,000 views in less than 24 hours on yesterday's conversation. That's not bad. Not bad at all. So, Mike, not thanks bad, for including me in that. It's always a pleasure to talk to you on those video chats.
1: All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Jerry.
2: All right. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Mike Singer, Notre Dame Football Recruiting Insider, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Brandon Hillman, the newest member of the Irish class of 2023. 542 at WSBT.
0: You can listen to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT Radio in the App Store and Google Play. Now, back to local sports talk on Sports Beat with your host, Darren Pritchett.
2: 547 at Sports Radio 960, WSBT. Sports beat tonight being brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this bud's for you. Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you. Their newest location on Lincoln Way in the Twin Branch area, now open for carryouts. Barnaby's, the family inn, the food bank of Northern Indiana. This holiday season, give the gift of hope to a hungry neighbor. Learn more at FeedIndiana.org. Legacy Heating and Air, a cook family business. Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. The Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, don't shop, For new beginnings, have happy endings. South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. And by Tim Grau, State Farm Insurance. This holiday season, protect your family for those unexpected life moments. Call Tim at 232-9981.
0: One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
2: Today's question, five things I'm looking forward to possibly seeing tonight in the Notre Dame basketball game against Boston University from Purcell Pavilion. Pre-game coverage at 6.30, game time, 7 o'clock, here on WSBT Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. Number five, control the pace. Don't think it's going to be a problem. BU has a nine-man rotation that averages anywhere between 15 to 28 minutes, a very balanced scoring attack. Notre Dame's got their seven-man rotation, but they've had plenty of rest time since Saturday. Should not be a problem tonight against Boston University. Four. Marcus Hammond continuing to add minutes to his season, coming off that knee injury, played against Syracuse, got in for 18 minutes. I think this is got a guy that's going to really help this team throughout the season. A quality three-point shooter. I love his ball handling and decision making in the front court. This is a piece that is needed for Notre Dame. Obviously, without him, they're a six-man rotation. It expands to seven and another guard option and another outside shooter for Mike Bray. Okay, okay. Uh, Number three. I'm excited to see Van Allen Lubin once again. Without the mass now, three double-digit scoring performances over his last four, averaging in that four-game stretch nine points and 7.3 rebounds. And he's 17 of 26 from the field in his last four. First career double-double against St. Bonaventure with 10 and 13. This guy is adding some much-needed front-court activity for Mike Bray. Number two. Well, Cormac Ryan, man, stay aggressive, keep firing. Remember how he got hot in the NCAA tournament? He had one of those type games, going 10 of 15. From three over his past couple of games, averaging 18 points the last two, 13 of 22 from the field. Number one. Biggest key for me getting Nate Lashevsky going once again. Hopefully, just a little blip on the radar. Last Saturday, almost a ghost in that game against Syracuse. The leading score going into that game, Lashevsky only took six shots from the field, making one, and had just two points in the ball game. That matchup zone will take away some driving lanes, which Nate has done a great job of getting to the basket so far this year. Has that ability to hit the outside shot. Just never got into a flow, I guess, on offense against Syracuse. Let's get him into a flow against the Terriers tonight. As we wrap up this segment, a quick note. The Chicago Cubs let Wilson Contreras go. They gave him the qualifying offer. He turned it down, which means they get a draft pick from the team that signs him in free agency. And today, the St. Louis Cardinals gave Contreras five years, $87.5 million. $17 million a year for a starting catcher is a pretty good number for St. Louis. So Contreras will be going against the Cubs in the NL Central. All right, Sports Center, I should say a sports update coming up in a moment. We'll talk some Notre Dame and Big Ten basketball coming up next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
0: Budweiser's Weekday Sports Feat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Wesley, off balance shot, no good. Atkinson, put back. It's good. That's it. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Your host, Darren Preachett. Happy
1: St. Patrick's Day, baby!
2: Welcome to the six o'clock hour of Budweiser's weekday sports beat. On your home of Mike Bray's Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Of course, as always, our stream is available at WSBTradio.com. And you can always find us on your phone. Just download the WSBT Radio app. You can find it at the iTunes or Google Play stores. It's free to download. And once you get that on your phone, you can listen to us live wherever you are. Also, our on-demand Sports Beat page also can be found on the free WSBT radio app. Well, Sportsbeat is going to wrap up at 6.30 tonight because we have Fighting Irish Basketball here on WSBT radio. From Purcell Pavilion, Mike Bray's Fighting Irish will look to bounce back from their loss to Syracuse on Saturday, 62-61, when they take on the Terriers of Boston University. It's a 7 o'clock tip and a 6.30 pregame Here on WSBT Radio, fingers crossed that this basketball game will go better than the recent hockey game between the two teams at Aganis Arena on Commonwealth in downtown Boston when the Terriers, right before Thanksgiving, beat Jeff Jackson's Fighting Irish 5-2. And I'm going to bet things will go a little better for the Irish basketball team tonight. First off for Notre Dame, a chance to get right. Taking on an inferior opponent, this Terrier basketball team is four and four. The best team they played so far this year is the fifth-ranked team in the country, the Yukon Huskies. We have an interesting game in Gainesville against Florida tonight. But back on November the 11th, BU lost in stores to Connecticut, 86 to 57. Other than that, they have not really played anyone of note. And they stand at four and four. Their victories are over Northeastern, Johnson and Wales out of Rhode Island, Hartford, New Hampshire, and I forgot they beat Merrimack on Friday. So they are a five and four basketball team entering this matchup with Notre Dame. They do use a lot of bodies. They've got nine players averaging at least 15.8 minutes per ball game, but. They only have two players scoring in double figures because nobody plays over 28 minutes. And that guy is Walter White, who is averaging 13 points and six rebounds per ball game. He's a guard. Jonas Harper, another guard, has led them in scoring in each of their last two games for the season, averaging 11 points per game. So not a lot of offensive punch on this BU team that's averaging 71 points per game, but it is definitely scoring by committee. For the Terriers, for the Fighting Irish, as I mentioned, their most recent game, they lost to Syracuse by a point. They have now lost two of their last three games. Their only victory over Michigan State of all years to beat Michigan State, the Spartans are in a down year. They're only 98 in the net rankings. And Michigan State's most recent game, they lost at home to Northwestern. And the Spartans play. At Penn State tonight so the Irish had a convincing victory over that Spartan basketball team that has a great win over Kentucky earlier this year but they have struggled as of late now a few weeks ago Syracuse head coach Jim Boeheim was very critical of the Big Ten conference and part of his comments I think were very fair He was very critical of the Big Ten's performance in March Madness. He believes if you're not good in March, if you're not winning in March, you're not that good of a basketball team. I think that's a little harsh. I think March is a different animal. The draw is vitally important. And, of course, your quality of play as well. But who you play has a lot to do with your chance to move on in the tournament. And it's been a couple of years since the Big Ten has had an outstanding March Madness. The last two years, a lot of teams got in, a lot of high seeds, and they didn't get the job done. So Jim is right there. But he also said the Big Ten is getting so many teams into the NCAA tournament because they're just beating up on each other. They're not beating anybody outside of their conference. And I think history shows the Big Ten has actually done pretty well in non-conference games the last couple of years. You look at the ACC, they have not handled their business in non-conference games last year. And so far this year, it's not been a great run for the ACC as a group. Mike Bray, the head coach of the Irish, even mentioned to the Notre Dame media in the preseason that the ACC just did not do a good enough job in the non-conference season last year. And with the league down in general, if you don't beat anybody outside of the league, it's going to hurt you in the number of bids you get into the NCAA tournament. And that's exactly what happened. Now, the ACC had good success. Their two blue bloods got to the final four, Duke and North Carolina. But during the regular season, the ACC did not perform as well as you might expect. Well, where are we headed right now? With this year's ACC, North Carolina a couple of weeks ago was the number one team in the country. They've now lost, if I'm not mistaken, four in a row. And they have fallen out of the AP Top 25, a poll that they were at the top just a couple of weeks ago. So North Carolina right now in a tailspin. Duke has been good. They beat Iowa last night at Madison Square Garden. I'm not sure this is going to be a classic Duke team. We'll see how their young guys continue to develop under John Shire. Virginia looks really, really good. Tony Bennett has a classic Virginia team. Their defense has taken hold. They're getting a little more offense this year. They already have a win over Illinois on a neutral floor out in Las Vegas. This Virginia team, to me, looks like the best team right now in the ACC. But you take a look at what has happened so far. As a group, Here are the losses suffered by the ACC in non-conference games. And the number I'm going to mention with each team is their ranking in the net, which goes a long way in deciding which teams go to the NCAA tournament. By the way, right now, Notre Dame is number 140 in the country in net ranking. Their strength of schedule is one of the worst in the country. They're at 345 entering tonight's game against BU. That's not factored in. But here are the ACC non-conference losses with their net ranking mentioned. The ACC has lost to number 99 Tarleton, 101 Loyola Marymount, number 121 Troy, number 129 Bryant, that was Syracuse, number 137 Colgate, number 168 Maine. The ACC lost to number 171 St. Bonaventure, that was Notre Dame in New York on a neutral floor. The ACC has also lost to team number 172 in the net ranking, Stetson, number 205, Siena, number 243, Appalachian State, number 279, Wright State, number 288, Bellarmine, and number 333, New Hampshire. So as you can see, already some bad losses for the Atlantic Coast Conference. Now it's way too early to define how many teams are going to make the NCAA tournament from the ACC. But we are heading toward a lot of conference basketball over the next couple of weeks. And you could say the ACC has a lot of work to do with a lot of their teams to build their resume to be in position to get an at-large bid into the field of 68. Those losses may come back to contribute to a couple of teams not making the NCAA tournament. Now, Beheim was very critical of the Big Ten, not beating teams outside of their conference. So I did just a little digging today, and here's what I found. The Big Ten has actually done very well during the non-conference season. They have a host of quality victories already on their resumes. I mentioned Michigan State is only 94 in the net rankings. They have a victory over number 41, Kentucky. Wisconsin is number 61. They almost took down Kansas in a holiday tournament, losing by a point in overtime. But they also have a win over the number 38 team in the net rankings from the Big East Conference, Marquette, a team that Notre Dame will play coming up. Also from the Big Ten, they have four teams in the top 11 of the net rankings, including Maryland, which was picked 10th by the media in the Big Ten, and that's going to be a big miss by the conference media as Maryland has looked very good so far this year despite losing in Madison to Wisconsin last night. Maryland has two quality victories already on their schedule. Now, one of those is conference. We're talking about non-conference right now. They beat Illinois at home last week. Illinois 8 in the net, but Maryland has a victory over number 49 Miami. Oh, yeah, they're from the ACC. You've got Indiana right now at nine in the net. They have beaten two teams in the top 50. Number 40, North Carolina. That was in Bloomington. And then a nice road win in Cincinnati over Xavier, who is number 43 in the net rankings. I mentioned Illinois is eight in the net right now. I mean, they have two quality losses right now to number 11, Maryland, on the road, and number six, Virginia, on a neutral site. But they also have two big wins on neutral floors against number 13, Texas, which was last night at the Garden in New York, a come from behind overtime victory by the Illini. And they also rallied to beat number 14, UCLA, in Las Vegas. And Purdue is the top net team right now in the Big Ten. They're number three. In the net rankings, and they have as good of victories as anybody as well, neutral floor victories, and these were both by double digits over number twelve Duke and number twenty two Gonzaga. So I think we can remind Jim Boeheim that yes, the Big Ten has not lived up to their regular season hype in the last two NCAA tournaments, but he's wrong about the conference just only beats up on themselves. Because right now, those are all the quality wins of some of the top teams in the Big Ten. And I didn't even mention Illinois spanked Syracuse during the Big Ten ACC Challenge. But that doesn't go out of the key win category because why are we going to count NIT-type victories beating Syracuse? That's not an NCAA tournament team. So, sorry, Jim, you can't even make the list of being a team that a Big Ten team beat that was of quality. you are just kind of NIT material. So the Big Ten in a good spot right now heading into the bulk of the conference season. What's been interesting about the Big Ten so far this year, there is a major Big Ten preseason hype train about Mike Woodson's Indiana Hoosiers. And Indiana brought back the foundation of last year's team with a couple of good additions. And I was very hesitant to jump on that hype train. Not that Indiana wasn't going to be good. I'm not saying they're not going to be an NCAA tournament team. My thought was this. A team like Indiana has to earn the hype this year. Because last year, they were 20 minutes of basketball away from going to the NIT. They were not going to make the NCAA tournament until they rallied in the second half against Michigan in the Big Ten tournament. They went on to beat the top seed, Illinois, the next day to all but lock up their spot in the NCAA tournament. It was a team last year that was almost an NIT team because they were not very good offensively, a poor shooting basketball team. Trace Jackson Davis kind of woke up in the Big Ten tournament and in the NCAA tournament after an up-and-down regular season. So, yeah, there's a lot of good parts on that Indiana team. Could they be really good? Yes, yes. But my thought was they're just going to have to earn that elite status in the Big Ten. John Rothstein, the terrific insider at CBS Sports, he thought the Big Ten goes through Bloomington this year. He thought Indiana was the best team. And again, they might be. But I just need to see them do it this year in big games. Again, Xavier on the road. They got the job done. It was a dismal performance, and it had nothing to do with the officiating, unlike what some believe, that Rutgers absolutely dominated Indiana in Piscataway, 65-48, to 48, a poor offensive performance, and that's why I was hesitant to throw roses at the feet of Indiana until they earn it. That was the performance that kind of held me back from being all in on Indiana being the elite team, in the Big Ten. So they had the preseason hype, and again, they might be the best team in the Big Ten. They just have to earn, from my standpoint, that status. It wasn't like they were a dominant team last year. Then you look at Purdue. They kind of stole that preseason hype train from Indiana and became the end-season headline in the Big Ten Conference. Anytime. You beat Duke and Gonzaga, back-to-back games, by double digits, on a neutral floor, that catches everybody's attention. Where they go up 19 spots in the polls, after pulling off those wins over the Blue Devils and the Bulldogs, up to number five after beating them, now they're number three in the net rankings. This Purdue team is really interesting, and they are deserving, I think, of this in-season hype that is built around Matt Painter's team. First off, Matt Painter is one of the best basketball coaches in the country. Year in and year out, he puts a high-level product on the floor at Mackie Arena. So credit to him losing a guy like Jaden Ivey and other parts in the backcourt. He has brought in a couple of young guys, and they have performed extremely well And they have formed a dynamic combination that Boilermaker fans are going to be excited about for the next couple of years. Fletcher Lawyer at 12.6 points per game, shooting 38% from three. And Braden Smith, Mr. Basketball in Indiana, nine points, four rebounds, three assists, shooting 36% from three. I mean, those guys have played old so far this year. And they can play a little freer when you've got what could be the most dominant big guy in the country, maybe the most Dominant player overall, and the seven-footer, Zach Eady, who has just taken another step up in his level of play. 23 points per game, 12 rebounds. He is doing everything that Matt Painter could have imagined when he looked at this team at the start of the year. Very difficult to stop Edie. If you let him get position around the bucket, you're dead. You got no shot. With that size, you're not going to block his shot. And he's a guy that I think he withstands punishment pretty well for a guy of his physique. I think he's a lot stronger than maybe I even imagine. But you let him get set up in the low block, you just hope he misses. That's all there is to it. So the key to defending Edie, beating him to the spot and pushing him a little farther away from the basket. So Purdue's playing Hofstra tonight at 7 o'clock at Mackey Arena. Hofstra six 6-3, a chance for the Boilermakers to remain undefeated at 9-0. So I think rightfully Purdue has stolen some of those headlines from the preseason from Indiana. And I think both of those teams are going to be highly-seeded teams in the NCAA tournament. But the team for me that might have the highest ceiling of any Big Ten team, is Illinois. Now, this is a team that lost 86% of its scoring last year. It has been rebuilt, playing a totally different style. Last year, this team was built around the 7-footer, Kofi Coburn, a double 20.10 rebound type performer, night in and night out. But it hurt them defensively overall. You play pick and roll against that Illinois team. They did not have a lot of success. This year, Illinois has gotten stronger with more athletic wings. And with the athleticism of this team, they're now playing a switching defense, just like Scott Drew and Baylor have done so successfully. One of the players from that team is Michael Meyer who has joined Illinois as a grad transfer along with Terrence Shannon Jr., the star from Texas Tech. They have provided the veteran quality play and toughness that you need if you're going to be a great tournament team. But they have a very interesting young nucleus, a sophomore guard in R.J. Melendez who is breaking out. Then you got these four freshmen that they brought in, led by Sky Clark, Jalen Epps, Sincere Harris, who played at LeBron James Academy in Ohio, these three have come in and played, I think, even more quality basketball than anyone could have imagined. They've got a guy in Dane danger, a big physical body coming off the bench, a 6'9", 250, 260-pound guy in the low block that can do damage. But this team has probably more raw talent than any team in the Big Ten. Now, can they put it all together? That's a question mark. That's why I say they have the highest ceiling, but it's not a guarantee they're the best team. They have great wins over Texas and UCLA, highly competitive with Virginia, lost a tough one in the conference opener at Maryland. This looks to be the type of team that could make a push in the NCAA tournament. So I love Purdue and Illinois going forward. Indiana, I think, will grow on me as the season goes on. Michigan, Michigan State, they got some work to do. Wisconsin's okay. Iowa's okay. But I think Indiana, Purdue, Illinois, Wisconsin. I shouldn't say Wisconsin. I'll go Maryland instead of Wisconsin, despite the Badgers beating them last night. They are the teams to watch right now in the Big Ten. Indiana is in action tonight, seven and one, oh and one of the Big Ten. They'll take on a sneaky Nebraska team. When you play Nebraska, you think we're going to win by double digits. That's the way it's been the last couple of years. But Nebraska's 6-3, and three, and their last three wins have been convincing. Now, Florida State is not a good team this year coming out of the ACC, but Nebraska beat them easily 75-58. BC, another down ACC team. Nebraska hammered them 88-67, and this is the eye-opener. Creighton was number seven in the country last week, and Nebraska beat them. By 10, 63 to 53. So Indiana should win, but let's be careful. This Nebraska team has shown more life and the more ability to be competitive so far this year compared to the last few seasons or really their time in the Big Ten Conference. So we've got Purdue and Hofstra tonight at 7, Nebraska and Indiana at 8.30, and of course, right here on WSBT Radio, We have the matchup between Notre Dame and Boston University. Pre-game coming up in a couple of moments. And then the opening tip is at 7 o'clock. Well, Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT is brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this bud's for you. By Barnabys of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you. Their newest location on Lincoln Way in the Twin Branch area is now open for carryouts. Barnabys, the family inn. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana, this holiday season, give the gift of hope to a hungry neighbor. Learn more at feedindiana.org. By Legacy Heating and Eric Cook Family Business, Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. The Mishawaka Education Foundation granting a better future. Pet Refuge urging you to adopt, don't shop, for new beginnings have happy endings. By South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. By Tim Growl, State Farm Insurance. This holiday season. Protect your family for those unexpected life moments. Call Tim at 232 9981. Well, thank you so much for joining me on Budweiser's Weekday Sports. Beat again our top story tonight, as we talked about in the five o'clock hour. Notre Dame junior tight end Michael Mayer, Michael Mayer no surprise, declares for the NFL draft, and he will not play in the Gator Bowl against. South Carolina. You can read more about this story from my colleagues at Blue and Gold Illustrated. You can read their work at blueandgold.com. Well, folks, have a wonderful evening. Again, I'll be back tomorrow at five o'clock. We'll talk more Notre Dame football and take a look back at the Notre Dame Boston University contest from tonight. So stand by. Tony Simeone is at Purcell Pavilion ready for the pregame show and live play-by-play action of the Irish and the Terriers right here on your home of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, Sports Radio 960 WSBT.